Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. We are coming at you a few days later this week, but still, better late than never. And we're bright and early today, 5.30 a.m. Mitch's time. Mitch, what's going on today, buddy? What's going on, dude? Like, last weekend, you know, I kind of missed out getting ready for the hunts and stuff. And then this morning... It's almost snowing outside. So I did finally put my Dynasty Theory hoodie on. Ooh. And like, it's really comfortable. I was worried that like the quality was going to be like a little meh. But no, it's really, really good quality. So pretty happy with it. You have the uh, bright and early uh, stuffed up nose. I do. I, I do. feel it. Yeah. That, that's me every morning. That's it, me every morning. Dude, so we have like sagebrush out here in Utah. And sagebrush like blooms this time of year. So this time of year is horrible for me. I get that. I get that. Well, you know, it's not horrible. Dynasty theory. 100%. And dynasty fantasy football and the team evaluation process. So what we are talking about this morning is, I mean, we've seen it so many times, right? Hey, I'm 0-4. Do I, do I kick off my rebuild? I'm three and one. Do I make a push? There is so much gray area from team to team and league to league. So before we get to, hey, this is what we're going to do as a rebuild. This is what we're going to do as a contender. And initially, Mitch, I told you, I don't want to talk about that on this show, but I'm sure it's going to ooze in a It'll little It'll bleed bit. in there somehow. Yeah. So as the, the season progresses, we'll kick off our rebuilding contender episodes and what we're looking to do. But for today, we want to rewind. We want to go back and we want to talk about step one in this process. And that is the question that I already mentioned. How do I know when I'm going to kick off a rebuild? Or even if it's just restructuring a little bit, moving one or two pieces. So when we say rebuild, I think the context there is just not a contender, right? You don't have to completely blow it up. And we've talked about that. So the way we're going to look at this is, am I a contender? Am I not a contender? I think that's a better way to put it than a rebuild, right? Because Mitch, whenever you hear rebuild and people talk about it, it's like, we got to get rid of any piece of value today. Yeah, it's I have to get the 101. In order to secure the 101, I have to make my team as horrible as possible. Yeah, that's not really what we're talking about here. Yeah, and if you're in that situation, it's just kind of, we've seen teams, it's a perpetual rebuild mm -hmm. and like a perennial um, uh, restructuring, like I said. So we do want to go back to step one and we're four weeks in here, Mitch. And like I said, we constantly get it. We, we've been in the discord how many times? Hey, I'm, I'm one in three, like I said. So can you explain your personal process you're going through your teams you're going through your portfolio of dynasty rosters what does that look like for you when you're trying to figure out what is my next step so day one today after week four what are you doing it depends just playing but 
it actually all right that's the end of the show it depends yeah there's so many different things it's hard to give an answer but i will say that if this is the first year so we had a startup let's say back in february and i just did a bad job of drafting in february let's say and my team is one and three i know in startups there's already going to be a team that has four or five firsts because they traded for them during the startup draft. So I know getting picks is going to be extremely difficult. And so in startups, I'm actually more willing to be one and five, one and six, two and seven before I'm like, okay, I need to start trading away these players because the fact is I just probably can't get the first round picks that I want. And so taking myself out of that situation, you're in, you know, a league, it's second or third year. I love my fantasy football. <laughs> my fantasy league NFL. Yeah, my fantasy. <laughs> some reason, like, football popped in my head. I'm like, that isn't right. But, like I said, it's not my fault. It's, it's early. It's 5.30 in the morning here. Wait, maybe that's why you're not doing well in some of our leagues, because you're going on myfantasyfootball.com <laughs> instead. I'm setting, uh, I'm setting lineups for someone else's team. That's <laughs> probably more accurate. But... The one thing they do have, if you go to the power rankings, is they have all play percentage in every single league. And what all play is, it's if you're in a 12-team league, it says, hey, if you go against every single team this week, you'll have a record between 0 and 11 and 11 and 0, somewhere in between. I have a team right now, it's 4 and 0. I mean, if you look at the points for, like, it's a top 7, top 8 team. If you look at the all play, I'm winning 30% of my games against every other team in the league. So I'm like, yeah, that's not a contender no matter really what I do to it because it's going to take a lot of pieces to make it there. And the best team in the league after four weeks has lost like two games out of there. So they're like 80 and two or some nonsense like that. That's a really good point, though. I want to I want to touch on that for a minute. You're four and oh, your all play percentage is sub 500. So and even further than something like you're almost non-existent it's really bad yeah you must have only beat the teams that you played pretty much and and close to that yep but you're sitting there for now your team's it's not good is that a situation that you just ride it out or do you sit there because there's a lot of people that are sitting there saying hey guys i'm four and oh I don't, I don't want to throw this away yet, just in case, in case they don't know about the all-play percentage. So what do you tell them in that situation? So we're getting into this a little bit later, but the problem is it's a 14-team league. 14-team leagues, you could find yourself in that middle ground to where you're just not competing. And so while I was 4-0, like, I knew this team wasn't a top-four team. And in order to make me as good, I was going to have to trade away All of my future, like I think I have Justin Fields on that team or whatever young players I have, I'm going to have to trade them, get older vets, and get more depth. And when you do that in 14-team leagues, you kill your chances in 23 and 24 and 25 because you're like, you know what? I had a good September. I'm going to make this run, you know, until December. And if it doesn't work, you set yourself so far behind that it's really, really hard to make up that distance. Now, what if it were a 12-team league? 12-team league, I'm going for it, man. Like, <laughs> you just have to be top six in 12-team leagues. And really, when two or three teams are already rebuilding for 23, like, making playoffs in 12-team leagues, I think that's kind of like, 
the minimum you should expect if you're really active in your leagues. Even if your team is around 30% all play. Oh, I'm still going in. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably make more teams because I just don't believe in that dynasty purgatory for 12 team leagues. Like if I trade my future, I know in a 12 team league, this team probably has a really good chance of competing or at least, you know, making that last playoff spot again in future years to where in a 14 team league, there's that two team gap to where like you could finish seventh or eighth and still not make playoffs. Yep. You're not getting Swift or Harris or Chase or any of those guys in the draft that, you know, fall in that 106 to 108 range. That's a good point. And it, it does. It, your your segues recently, I got to say, they've been top notch. I've been trying to approve. Someday they, I want to be like JB when I grow up. I don't know. It's gonna I be rough. Know. I think it's I think they broke the mold after they made me, and thank God for the world, right? We're looking at this then. So the dreaded dynasty purgatory. We've talked about this, and this goes back to last off season where we did a show, and you talked about dynasty purgatory and a twelve team league essentially being a myth. And I want to know if your thoughts on that have changed at all as this season has progressed. But it seems like you still believe that in a 12-team league, like you said, two or three teams, they're going to be rebuilding either very early on or at this point here, four weeks in. If it's the first year after a startup, they probably tanked in the startup. Mm-hmm. And they, hey, I got five firsts next year. I got I got three firsts next year. Two I got firsts five firsts and zero players. But, you know, look at how beautiful these picks look. I can't knock it too much because I know I have a few teams like that, <laughs> whether by design or... Going back to what you said, I look at my drafts and I'm like, JB, let's play multitasking or something on the result of that draft. But you're eliminating two or three teams. They're they're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Then you have nine or ten teams essentially, again, not rebuilding, but either existing or going for a championship. In in the case of that 4-0 team, like you said, you're willing to ride it out because you don't think that a situation like that is going to result in dynasty purgatory. And what we mean by that is not getting the first couple picks, not winning a championship, but you're able to get out of that middle ground fairly quickly in a 12 team league. It might be a year, but it's not a five year process. Yeah. It's, I mean, you made a really good point too. And while there is two to three, (laughs) two to three teams that are rebuilding, we talk about it in the discord constantly. We hear People talk about on Twitter. There's teams just existing. And there's teams like that in every single league. So while you might have to compete against nine teams, it might not even be nine teams. It might be seven teams and the two teams that might set their lineup all year. And that's kind of like what they're expecting to do. And when you get that, I think, you know, a big reason why I'm in Dynasty is because it's kind of soft when you compare it to redraft or best ball or DFS. Because the amount of teams in the league that are actually going for the championship is less than in those other leagues. Yeah. And so that's a huge reason to why I'm never like, I try to tell people, don't just blow up your teams anymore. Like I've done it. I'm like, hey, I'm going to trade every player. I'm going to get the 101. Then I'll have the 104. Then I'll have the 106. And then I'm still seven players away from doing anything. I mean, it's, it's extremely hard to turn yourself around after you make, you know, the complete 
I'm going to blow up my team. I mean, if there's just one thing I could tell everybody is only do that. Like if your team is Big Ben, Matt Ryan, maybe like a Chris Carson is in there. You know, I'm pretty sure you're describing my team in first and 10, but I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore that. I was trying to pick out your favorite players because it was actually working out pretty well there. But, you know, if you have a team like that, sometimes you're just so far down the rabbit hole at that point that you need to just be like, look, if I could get a second for Ryan, I'm just going to take a second. I just got to blow it up. But you have to know that for the next five years, you're just donating every single year to the pot. The big thing, you're evaluating your teams, and it sounds like essentially it comes down to the all play. That that's that's critical for you, and I think that's a really good piece. And I think it's something that people don't realize you can look at on my fantasy league. And you and I, just because of the the volume we have on my fantasy league or my fantasy football, as you like to call it, yes, yes, we're not really on sleeper. But again, it's not a knock on sleeper. It's just no, not at all. We have so many leagues on MFL, and we we like to stick to one platform. But you reached out to a few people, and you don't. They didn't think that you could look at all play on sleeper. No, you can't look that up. And I mean, uh, that does make it harder because like I said, that 4-0 team I brought up previously, you look at the points for and the points against, you're like, you know, it's a middling team, but I'm doing really well. And if I wasn't playing that close of attention and seeing what the high scores for everybody else was and just how dominant the top teams are, I could see myself instead of what actually did yesterday, I ended up moving Daryl Henderson and AJ Green and got a first back. And that's a trade I would have loved doing in August. And I'm still loving doing it in September in most of my teams. But if I, if it was the other position, I didn't see that all play percentage. And I'm just, I'm like, hey, I'm an average team. Maybe I'm the one trading a Justin Fields. And I'm trying to get go down and get like a Cousins and, you know, maybe an injured David Montgomery, you know, for a push in the playoff sort of thing. Right. And if there is no all play percentage, and if you don't know where it is on MFL, reach out to us, uh, preferably Mitch. He's the <laughs> MFL guru. Standings power play. There you go. Boom. Yep. Done. But you have to do a little bit more digging if you're on sleeper and other platforms mm-hmm. that don't have the all play percentage and the things. And I, I just have a, a bunch of quick notes here jotted down because I would have forgotten here bright and early. I mean, I don't know how you do it. 530 AM, even with a sun, like, like Johnny sleeps in. Oh, that's and I, nice. I can't tell you the last time I was up even close to 530. Well, over the weekend, I was up at 330. So, you know, hunting takes you, instance, man. Did you get anything? Oh, heavens. No, 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 no. Well, if you do, I, I expect uh, some deer jerky. I will be sending way. jerky to quite a few people who've reached out. Yes. Wait, so I'm not the first one. Okay. You're not the first one. All I'm right. Sorry. So I'm, I'm later on in the line here. But a few things that I wanted to mention, because like I said, I would have forgotten. What is my future pick situation? Do I still have them at my disposal? And if I do, is it something that I can leverage to make a push? Is it something that if I don't have them, we've talked about this, it's so hard to jump into a rebuild. And again, try not to go rebuild contender, but evaluating our teams, it's so hard to make it, uh, I'd say a plus ev man that's really high tech there really fancy so a a positive move from you know a a value perspective when you don't have those future picks at your disposal because then it's like well i don't want to rebuild because i don't have my picks 
but my team's not good. So it's like, what do I do in that situation? That's something we'll get into in future episodes when we really differentiate and go down the rabbit hole, as you mentioned earlier, of rebuilding or contender. Am I heavily impacted by injuries? I think that's a critical question you have to ask. If so, are they season ending or are they short term? Is it a David Montgomery situation where we're expecting five weeks? He comes back. CMC, he's expected back. AJ Brown, you missed uh, a few games there and he's coming back. Or is it, I really felt good. I had JK Dobbins. I was loving him this year. He's out. Uh, You know, whatever the situation is, how long are those injuries? If it's one or two injuries and Mitch, I'm going to steal a line from you. And I love this. And I think it is so straightforward, sometimes a little aggressive, but if you had one injury and now you don't think you're a contender, were you a contender in the first place? Yep. Like we talked about it last year with Dak and Hey, I lost Dak. I got to rebuild now. It really changed that much. You can't just <laughs> slap a bandaid on it and fi- figure it out for the rest of the year. So that's something that I'm looking at. If it's five injuries and you're in a deeper league, you have a, a league with 140 starters, that's going to be a little bit different. And then like you mentioned, the all play, I, it's a it's a good resource. But let me ask you, all play, week one, you and the, the other bottom team, you just, you know, you're awful. And then the next three weeks, you completely tear it apart. Obviously, it's going to be much higher than that 30%. We're Mm -hmm. looking at 70, 75%. But I feel like it could be skewed a little bit to a degree. But then again, what I'm going to mention, points for, points against, potential points, that could be skewed as well. So I I think it's – take everything with a grain of salt, I think, but it is a really good resource. And it goes for 0-4 and 4-0 and teams. Mitch, I have a few teams, yeah, uh, 289, Safe League's 289. I'm 0-4. Uh, points four? I believe there's a team that's 3-1 and one, I have more points for. And I'm like, come on, come on. But then you better believe there's some teams that I have that are 3-1 and one or 4-0, and, and I'm in a situation like you with just a crummy team. Yeah, I think there's, with the injuries that have happened, I have a team with CMC, Dalvin, and Barkley. Like, I'm completely confident in that team, and my wide receivers are fine. My tight ends are really good. I'm one and three. But potential points-wise, I'm the best team in the league right now. It's just those weeks are hitting just not together yet. I think by the end of the season, they will. And so I don't – I'm one and three. There's other teams that are four and oh. I think there's actually like three teams that are four and oh in that league. And, like, I'll catch up. I'll make the playoffs. I'm okay to make a title run with that. It's – and we're still early in the season. One other thing is we have an extra week this year. So while it used to be like by November, man, you need to start making those trades and turning everything around. We have one more week this year. So now it's just giving everyone else just a little bit more time. If they're close to making playoffs being like, you know what? I can make the push this year to win the championship or at least get second. I'm okay with getting second too. I mean, it's like double the money in both of the leagues. Like you got to help out that ROI somehow. And that is a good point. The season a little bit longer than one extra week. The next thing I have here, what does the rest of the league look like? And these are all things that were, uh, you know, I love that you're bringing them up as well. Is there a team that's four and oh, they're just leaps and bounds better than the rest of the league. And everybody else is kind of 
fighting potentially for that second place. And again, there's so much variance in the playoffs. You just got to get lucky Yep. one week against the top team and they're out after maybe a 14 and 0 season. And I know it can be frustrating one way or the other, but what does the rest of the league look like? Are we looking at three or four rebuilding teams? And while you're not off to a great start, you can make a push. And I think that leads into my next thing. What does your upcoming schedule look like? That that 289 mm-hmm. that I just mentioned, that league, this week, I have a fantastic matchup against somebody that is actively trying to tank. So I'm expecting a win there. Now, if I happen to lose that game, then I really reevaluate my team. But I'm still feeling like I can make a push here, even at 0-4. So the upcoming schedule, I think it's important. What does it look like? you know, the next two, three weeks, do you even know who you play this week? And I think a lot of managers would say, I I don't know. I haven't looked. And I just think to get that on your, excuse me, get that on your radar. It's critical to see the direction that your season could go. Even if you had a really tough four weeks where you played the top four teams and potential points, and it was just like a murderer's row of opponents. But now you kind of get the softer part of the schedule and things are going to, go back to how you thought they might've. So I, I don't know what any thoughts there on anything. I just rambled out there, Mitch. I completely agree with all that stuff. I will say the, my biggest issue with points four is if you have one really big week, let's say all of your guys hit, you get 75 more points than the rest of the league. Like it just skews that a lot to where I agree. All play can be looked at in a lot of different ways as well, but I think it just kind of knocks out that, hey, you had one really good week. Because if you had three below average weeks, you're going to see that in the statics compared to points four. You could still be, hey, I'm still a top five team, even though I had like one really good week and all the rest were like bottom 10. And that's where the nuance comes in. Yes. If you're in a league, you're in two leagues, three leagues, you're able to go through and you you have the time. I do suggest going back because, mm-hmm. hey, how did I do last week? Who knows? You know, we, we've, we're, we're on to week five here. Forget about week four, but go back. Look how you did the previous weeks. Did you put up 200 and then 85, 98, 102? Well, your points four looks pretty good, like Mitch said. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a quick resource again, going through the standings. Oh, points four. Like, how am I, how am I in last place? My points four are fantastic but I only had one really good week and just happened to have a tough opponent that week. And I will say, I don't care about points against, like, I really don't. I know everyone, like we hear it a lot, like, Hey, I'm 10th place, but I have the most points against me. I'm like, that's cool. But like, you can't control what other teams are scoring against you. I could control what my points for are. And then I can move from there, but I can't control what other teams are scoring against me. So like, I don't even look at that at all. But I think that's why people bring it up. I know I would. If if I were in one league and I, I want to show you know Mitch Sorensen on Dynasty Theory, hey, I'm a good dynasty manager. My my record doesn't reflect that. You want to know why? My points against. <laughs> my points against are really good. Well, yeah. but I, I think that's why people mention it because like you said, you don't have control. So I don't think people are saying it like there's any strategy involved there, but hey. You know, I just want you guys to know I'm 0-4, but the most points against. See, I'm I'm worried that way too because, like, I'm the one that where if I have the second – if I lose a week, I would rather lose a week with the second most points in the league than with, like, 
the 10th most points scored in the league. Because like, I just want those points on the board because we have a lot of leagues to where the wild card spots for the playoffs are made by the however many points four you have, right? Like the top four seeds get in, the next two highest scoring teams get in too. So like those leagues, I just want to score points. I don't even look at my record 90% of the time. I would rather be two and two or one and three where I'm putting up points every week mm-hmm. and just having a tough schedule than like you said, a four and no team. And I, th- that was a DM I sent you, I think even though a week or two ago. And I feel like I sent it because I was trying to make myself feel a little bit better. Probably. <laughs> Sometimes we need that in dynasty, you know, <laughs> after you have McCaffrey and like everybody goes down, then you have Montgomery. He goes down the next week. You have AJ Brown on the team. They go down. You're like, well, this was a fun year. We've talked about this so many times. We talked about it, especially in the off season. The, the, and this goes back to the dynasty purgatory. And we said most of the people listening to our show are probably going to be on the more active side, especially if you're listening to us in February, which I know a lot of our loyal listeners are. But let's say there's somebody that doesn't listen to the show. There's somebody that just exists in a league. And it's kind of a loaded way to phrase it because the I think the easiest answer here would be just be active. But if you could coach them, if you could tell them something, you could do a one-on-one session with their team. How would you push them in the right direction from just existing? And really, I mean, it kind of answers itself, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say, who are your favorite players? Like if you're someone who's not active at all and you want to just become more active, let's go over who your favorite players are in the NFL right now. Let's try to make trades for a couple of them. Like, I don't even care if they're that great at fantasy. If you're, Favorite player, you know, Jamal Williams has the best sound bites there are. You're like, you know what? Dude's funny. I want him on my team. Like, okay, let's figure out the right value to go out and trade for him. If you like Allen Robinson, you know, we could go out there and we can make a trade for him. And I think that's the best thing to do. You start and is, the, getting- is the thought process there just that it makes it more enjoyable than to cheer for your guys and, and be more invested? Exactly. And it's showing you how to trade. I mean, we've talked to people who are just like, you know, I don't trade because I'm a little apprehensive of being taken advantage of in these. So I'm like, well, start with the lower guys to where you trade for Jamal Williams. You're not going to have to give up a ton for him and it's not going to kill your roster no matter what. So you make some of those smaller trades and then you go into, you know, DK Metcalf, love him. Now I feel comfortable offering trades because I've done these little trades in the process. That's a really good point. I like that. Somebody that isn't well for one reason or another, they're not making a lot of trades, but if it is because they're a little, little hesitant, I I don't know the values start with those lower guys, Mm -hmm. because even if you, Hey, I moved a second for, uh, who's Ramondre Stevenson. Let's just say, is it a good trade? No, at least in my opinion, it's not. But is it going to crush you? No. Absolutely but at least not. you're yep. getting your 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 feet wet. You're you're getting in there. You're getting your trade legs under you. I think that's a really good point. I've never actually thought about that. Just because even when I first started Dynasty, it didn't matter if it was a good trade, bad trade. I was making it. You were making it. It just had to be even. <laughs> like if it was like if it was there, you were in. Yeah. 
Uh, I was doing it back in the day. But I was doing it. I will just say real quick, I would actually advise against trading for not Stevenson doesn't count in this, but the rookie guys. Like say I love Jamar Chase. Don't trade for Jamar Chase because all these rookies have their own people who love them, who probably drafted them in the first place or traded for them in July or August. You know, so I would never say, hey, go out and try to get Justin Fields right now. Just uh, just don't do that. Go instead and get, you know, someone else. Get Daniel Jones if that's who you like. You know, that sort of thing. And again, that advice would be geared more towards people just starting out exactly getting getting a few trades under the belt so i don't want somebody to think hey mitch just said he hates jamar chase <laughs> right now i'm not <laughs> trading for him that's for sure <laughs> no 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 but you know somebody's gonna say oh that guy from dynasty theory mitch he just told everyone don't trade for jamar chase he hates him he's the worst wide receiver in nfl history somebody would take it that way last thing i want to talk about here and this is really interesting and it just came to me you know, it, it had an epiphany here. The psychology of fantasy football plays an important role. And I know there's a lot of people really focused on that aspect. The guys over at Dynasty Self-Help, they do a tremendous job of really digging into the mental part of the game and the psychology of the game. But let's say you had a team that on paper during the off season, you're like, ah, man, this is a team I'm going to have to just blow up i'm looking at future draft capital there's no way it competes but you're sitting there and i'm gonna rattle through a ton of names here your roster is looking like Carr, daniel jones darnold jamal williams edmonds melvin gordon james robinson hunt debo uh patterson mike williams hollywood renfro schultz knox there's a very good chance that team is four and oh at this point yep. and you have a lot of rising assets whereas you go on the other side and we've talked about some of these names already but during the off season, you're like, oh my God, like I have some of these teams. I'm like this team, like I got to go out and spend the winnings now because I have it locked up. Baker, Tua, Wentz, Tannehill, CMC, Gaskin, Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, Allen Robinson, Julio, Juju, Higgins, AJ Brown, Robert Tunyon, Johnny Smith. Those, those later round tight ends that people loved. There's a chance that team is 0-4 or 1-3. There was a very realistic possibility so here's my question for you, Mitch. How much does the psychology and mental aspect of this come into play whenever you're trying to evaluate your teams? And I have a thought, and I want to see if it lines up with yours. So you're comparing the two situations. Crummy team on paper, killing it. Amazing team on paper. What are you guys doing? So I'll admit I'm a lot more stubborn on the teams to where I was a lot more confident going into the season. I'm willing to be like, you know what? One more week. Then week eight, I'm like, all I need is one more week and I could go on a run. I will be more stubborn with those teams. I completely admit. So there is a team that is one of my higher buy-ins. And I actually talked about it back in August on the podcast. And I was like, look, I have Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and Daniel Jones. I don't feel comfortable going into future years with this team. How do you feel right now? Exactly. Well, I traded a lot of players before the season started. I still have those quarterbacks because nobody wanted them. Yep. But I'm, I think I'm two and two in that league now. But it's like, so when I find myself in that situation, I'm just trying to make very small moves 
just to see where it will go because my potential it's a potential points league for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's when you have your rookie draft it's not based off standings at all it's based off your potential points which is like what your best lineup would be and then whatever the lowest total at the end of the season is that team gets 101 you know and downward so on so my potential points is going to be screwed in that league unless i go and trade everybody what's something we just said we don't want to do so those leagues i'm just trying to make little tiny deals i'm not willing to move up future capital because i know this team now if darnold can hold on if daniel jones can hold on then i could just that any good if there is maybe a rookie quarterback coming out next year that has any hype at all i'm a little bit worried that that's not going to happen but i could trade him you know i could draft him at 105 or 106 i don't need him and i could trade him to a team who does and i think that's just the best way to go about these is it's like you know i could probably make the playoffs or i can maybe get 106 not make the playoffs still have a good team going into next season and then I could be willing to actually trade a quarterback who ends up falling because everyone's going to be like, whatever, running back or wide receiver you like in next year's draft. I could get this year's Zach Wilson and trade him off in June when someone's realizing, you know, Big Ben's not a real quarterback anymore. Or Mac Jones, he went or later. Mac. Yes. You you brought up a good point. And again, I knew it was going to bleed over a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about rebuilding potentially. And earlier I said my, during my, my list of just things that I was thinking about, do I have my future picks? This might be the year and there's a lot of time left. There's a lot of time left. So don't quote me on this, but you know, do it if you want. This might be the year that if you don't have your future picks, it is okay. If you have other people's picks in a rebuild, because as we stand right here on October 7th, is there a massive difference between the 101 and 104, 105? Maybe not. No, right now there isn't. I think there will be, you know, when we get to March, because here's what I think is going to happen. While there's no Trevor Lawrence, who is the 101, I think there could easily be a top four. And then you, you're like, yeah, I want the 101 or I want the 104. And I don't want the 105 to where this past year it was like, well, kind of, it's like 111 is kind of where that starts to hit to where you're not yep. getting chase or Najee or uh javante anymore you know so i think that could be the case but i agree i think it's extremely flat right now and maybe in november you find yourself hey i'm gonna be the last in the playoffs now maybe i send one of those firsts out to get a running back that i could count on yeah this like i said this might be the year that if you don't have your future picks mm -hmm. but you want to think about a rebuild or a restructuring of your roster this might be the year to do it. Whereas 2023, ah, 2023, <laughs> I think is going to be at the year. So if you struggle in 2022 and you're like, all right, I'm going to rebuild. Good luck. Yeah. Do you know how many people are going to be rebuilding in 2023? All of them. But also I don't, <laughs> you're not going to be able to get picks at a reasonable oh, price. Yeah. You're going to be price gouged. So now I, I, if your team, like if you're on that cusp, we're going to see people in 2021. Like I have some teams, for example, and like, they're okay. Some of them might age out a little bit. I, I might need to reevaluate them now with 2023 mm -hmm. in mind. It's I agree. JB, it's 2021. What are you talking about? 2023. 
I can't rebuild next year because especially leagues where you only have access to one year out in picks, I'm not going to get those 2023 picks. You're going to have to pay an arm and a leg to get them. And now your rebuild might be set back even further because you were price gouged. So that's going to be really interesting. That's a really and good I, point. I, yep. I haven't really thought about it too much, but going back to the mental aspect, I'm with you. And I think that's the general sentiment. I had a, I have a really good team struggled initially injuries. I am going to be more stubborn. I think that's it. I think people are going to hold on to that hope. And I, I put a tweet out. I said, hope is a dangerous thing for dynasty managers. It's very true. Yep. It can be. Hey, one, one more week, one more week, one more week. Sometimes it pays off. You have a team that sneaks in the playoffs, makes a miracle run and you win the championship or come in second. So it's a feel good story, but sometimes in more often than not, it probably doesn't end that way. But you look at a team like that CMC, Allen Robinson, uh, Julio, AJ Brown team I mentioned that very well could be 0 and 4. That, that team's going to turn around. Whereas, but also there are assets that people are a little bit lower on right now, I think. Maybe oh, not yeah. necessarily an AJ Brown or T. Higgins. George Kittle. Kittle, uh, Juju, Allen Robinson. Yeah. I, I can't get anything for Juju. And I love Juju. Nope. Yep. I, I I was I was higher on him than most people, and that that's that's a miss. And I, we already talked about the Miles Sanders miss in value, but now from production and just uh, overall volume, holy yeah. cow! But I don't want to talk about Miles Sanders because I I don't want to start my day the wrong way. You don't be, be crying upset. in the morning meeting. I can see. That. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about the other situation that Jamal Williams, Cordero Patterson, Hollywood Renfro. I think that's a team that people are still willing to stick with their thought process. And Hey, this isn't really a team that really is going to contend mm -hmm. because those are pieces that have been rising in value and they're okay. Cashing out everybody and their mother are saying Cordero Patterson is a, a sell, right? Everybody. I have gotten so many offers of my second for Cordero Patterson and I've rejected. I, I, but, but that's the thing. I think people are staying the course with the crummy team on paper. That's overperforming versus the struggling yeah. team with studs. And I, I think you're right on there. It was just something I wanted to talk about because that's something that's going to be in people's minds. Hey, I'm, I'm one in three, but this team is stacked. I'm a, I'm I know. I know we're not talking about players this week at all, but you mentioned Hollywood Brown. Like, I don't understand why people are still down on him. I know it's like, hey, Bateman's going to come in. Bateman's still a rookie. I mean, like, very rarely do we have rookie wide receivers come in and they're extremely good. And when they do, they're usually not injured for the first half of the year. You know, yeah. like Lamar Jackson is throwing amazing deep balls now, probably close to the best in the league. Hollywood's dropped some, Hollywood's caught some. And Hollywood every single week can be the wide receiver five, the wide receiver six in overall. He just has to catch the one long pass and he's getting chances every single week because of the way the offense is built. So while we're not diving into players, just like if you are looking for a player that people are still down on for whatever reason, like I would rather have Hollywood than a lot of the wide receivers in the league right now. It doesn't make sense to me. Like it really doesn't. So I wanted to do uh I wanted to challenge you on this and I, I didn't know that I was going to challenge you, but you okay. mentioned Lamar Jackson and deep ball. There are da, 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 26 quarterbacks that have 
at least, let's see here, at least 10 passing attempts over 20 yards, okay? Lamar Jackson is third in terms of volume at 24. Derek Carr is throwing the most, actually. Dink and dunk Derek Carr has thrown the most. man. They let rugs go this year. Uh, Even Edwards. But that's besides the point. So Lamar Jackson, third in overall deep balls an adjusted completion percentage. Now this includes the drops of 12. So not bad. Yeah, but they're all going to one person. Right, right, right. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, let's see, two drops. Brady, three. Tannehill, three. Uh, quarterback rating. Yeah, but I, I mean, but maybe not the hyperbole that you you mentioned, one of the best in the league, but he certainly is far from the worst for Lamar Jackson, I mean. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and that, But that's something he's in. Oh, he, Lamar Jackson can't throw. He can't. He's doing a heck of a lot better than probably your favorite quarterback. I can tell you that. I, uh, I We can't dive into this. This is just going to go on and on and on. But I love <laughs> how like we're all like, hey, Josh Allen can change, but Lamar can't. Like it's it's the weirdest thing that we do. But yeah. And I love Josh Allen. Yeah. But I, I agree with you there. You know, uh, let's see here. I, I think that's it. Anything else you want to mention here? <laughs> um, but, like these are my favorite types of shows. And mm-hmm. I really could. And I know you could talk about this for days but we both gotta gotta get to work today sadly gotta, we do we do but i have a our... strong final thought i think All right, well let's not waste any time final thoughts all right mitch bright and early here in the morning over in utah after an unsuccessful hunting trip final thoughts for the listeners if it has anything to do with hunting don't listen to mitch's advice because clearly that didn't go well well John obviously has never been hunting because there is no such thing as a bad hunting trip. <laughs> but anyway, could you could you imagine me with a gun? I Nobody can't. wants that. No, no, <laughs> no, that's not a good thing. Um, so, so this really isn't a strong take. I really oversold it. But it's and this is a little bit to you as well, John. You need to read those bylaws now. You need to know how teams make the playoffs because I care. I don't care if you're in one league or you're in three leagues or you're in 50 leagues. Every single one will have a message at some point here in the next few weeks. Hey, I didn't know that the sixth team doesn't get off on record. I thought they get in off of points scored or all play percentage or whatever it is in those leagues. Like, just know your settings. It's extremely important this time of year. We preach it constantly. And I shove it down people's throats. I'm like, you you got to know this. Just yesterday, Mitch, I reached out to mm-hmm. you. And I said, hey, which league are we in where the rookie picks aren't based on like 101, 102? It's based on dollar value. And that's critical. So, But it does go back to knowing your settings. It will help you. And you don't want to have any issues like myself where maybe it slipped my mind. I don't really have a final thought today. I just hope everybody has a fantastic day. I love doing these morning episodes. It really, it does get me jacked up for the day. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but we've talked about the discord. You all know about the Patreon. Check it out. Five bucks per month. The, the dynasty tiers, the annual projections. We're doing another watch party here at the end of October we had, I think, 25 people in it the first time. People loved it. That was so like, much fun. Yeah. We were on for, I think, four or five hours mm-hmm. just 
BSing, talking about what uh, the game that was on. It was Tampa and Dallas, and just having random conversations. It, it was it was a virtual happy hour, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that, that's about it from us. Oh, and then uh, starting today, the uh, Dynasty Theory merchandise over at T Public. The link is below in the description if you're on YouTube or the podcast feed. I think it's like thirty percent off again. Uh, T-shirts are I like, like it. Fourteen bucks, I think. Thirteen mm-hmm. bucks. I have five up to this point, and I keep saying to my wife, "I'm like, oh, let's let's get you one." She's like, "I'm okay, I'm okay." <laughs> she's like, but she, she's gonna want one eventually. All right, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter at Dynasty Theory FF. I didn't say Instagram that time just because I've been extremely lazy on Instagram. So if you want to follow it over there too, go ahead. But it's been pretty quiet, you know, focusing on Twitter and the Discord. For Mitch Sorensen, I'm John Bauer. We'll catch everybody la- later. Have a great night.